So last week on Source Material, we were right at the foot of the British Isles, checking out one of the best restaurants Jersey has to offer, which makes our commute for episode 5 a fairly lengthy one. But this place north of the border is definitely worth the trip. The restaurant, simple but superb, and the realisation of a dream for this week's guest chef. Welcome along once again. This is Source Material. Welcome along to Source Material and this week we are heading to a restaurant which could lay claim to one of the best views around. Yes, with me, the head chef of the Harbour Cafe 2020 Great British Menu Contestant. Uh, along with business owner, wife, mum, dog, mum, Amy Ellis. Have I forgotten anything on that list there, Amy? <laughs> yeah, I've got a cat. You've got a cat as well, I do apologise. <laughs> I mean, that mistake at the time. So basically we've grabbed you in your probably 23 minutes of the day for this podcast. <laughs> this is so it, nice. Is life, yeah. it, is life any quieter at the moment or not? It doesn't seem so with a list like that still. Yeah, it's, it's quieter in a di- very different way. Quiet wouldn't be the word when you've got the kids. But it's, it's different. Different. And when you look back through through what you've done in, in terms of, of cooking and, and the restaurant industry and that sort of thing, you've had a bit of everything. I mean, you worked in, in some of the top restaurants and the big names. You've now got your own place. You've got a catering company as well. When you started way back, what, what was the plan or was there never a plan? Yeah, that's really funny, actually, because there was and there wasn't a plan. I mean, when I got in, when I was a chef, it was the best decision I'd ever made. And... I knew that was it. That was what I was about. And then obviously working really hard in different restaurants and hotels. Um, I was wondering how I was going to get what I wanted in life. You know, if I wanted, you know, a family and I wanted to do all those things, how was I going to do all of that? And then you sort of forget about it. You just carry on, don't you? Carry on. And and I've had a fantastic life is is experiencing different kitchens but I also had this weird sort of feeling or dream um way 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 back that I was gonna be living by the beach and have a cafe so that was that was really quite I don't know I I can't believe actually it's happened because it, it has happened but that wasn't me pushing pushing for it it's just happened and I remember when I did work at the Fat Duck, Ash was, I remember telling him that sort of dream or aspiration. And he sort of laughed. He said, yeah, well, it would be the only beach shack with a with a star. I mean, this won't get a star at all. But, you know, it was that it was that sort of thing. Uh, so when when was the earliest? When were you, what, at what age can you remember thinking, that's the plan, that's well, what I'd really want? I must have been around 20. But I think the, the, the knowing the sort of inward knowing of me living by the sea and having children and then being by the sea. Uh, and actually, this is this is going to get even weirder, by the way. Um, so obviously it is lockdown and it's COVID. My sister, who works with us, um, she is isolating with us. We've got a house next door. And she's been teaching... Harry, my eldest, all his schoolwork. And part of my weird sort of dream thing or thoughts were was that she was going to be teaching my kids, you know, some schoolwork because I'm terrible at that. It's a very strange... I this feel is, like one day the door's going to be open and there's going to be loads of cameras behind and this has been some sort of, you know, know. Weird, this is your lifestyle <laughs> documentary. But it's, it's really odd how it's unfolded, you know, it's just unfolded. 
Now, a lot of people who get into to being a chef or falling in love with food, it mm. can come from quite sort of um, ignominious beginnings in the fact that, you know, you're a pot wash and you're sort of looking yeah. over at, you know, with with envy at stuff that's happening in the kitchen. You started at Harrods. That's yeah. So, so big time. Straight in at Harrods. I know. Well, the thing is, I mean, I got a job at Harrods just because I had to. <laughs> I, I, left, I left a job and who I was living with at the time said, so you've got to get another job today. So I marched along to Harrods and was just like, can I have a job, please? And they said, oh, what department do you want to work in? Because it was basically like you walked into a place and it looked like a bank and um, in the, with a glass screen and you sort of handed in your CV. And this woman looked down and, you know, she said, where do you want to work? What department? And I was like, I don't know, you know, clothes. And so she looked at me up and down and uh, said, "I, you know, basically, I don't think so. And then looked at my Charming. CV. Yeah, looked at my CV. It's like, um, the food department they got through the interviews and then worked as an event planner but then I was liaising with the chefs the whole time with the menus and what they were going to be creating and I fell in love and worked my lunch hours down in the kitchen for about a year and just loved the banter and then the head chef approached me and said well how about you move down here and we send you to college once a week, train you in-house the rest of the week, and in two years' time, you'll be a chef. And so I had to talk to my boyfriend at the time because we had a mortgage and my pay was going to be cut in half. And he was just like, yeah, go for it. And it was just, without a doubt, the best decision I made. So you've already touched on it a couple of times already, but but then from Harrods, eventually you get to the Fat Duck, which is this amazing sort of whether you want to call it playground or sort of Alton Towers version of, of the world of food. So what was that experience like, particularly for, for a young chef who's still pretty green, I guess, in a lot of ways? Yeah, so but I was very green. I mean, well, I'd, from then, actually, I went to work at, we opened up a hotel called The Grove, which was incredible. So that was, at least I experienced um, opening up something quite huge, which was, the graft was unbelievable. But the fat duck was was incredible I went into the pastry section and at the time there's just three of us there's eight chefs in the kitchen um and I I had no experience with pastry whatsoever which was which was ideal for 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 that sort of kitchen because you want to be molded and um to be honest with you there's no you know there's nothing classic about um what you're going to be cooking pastry wise in the fat duck so it was yeah, it was it was quite mind blowing. Take me through the the process then of of when a, a dish comes on the menu or you learn to make one of these weird and wacky things that, that Heston comes up with. Is it a case that that he and a couple of others were away in their sort of lab doing it, and then you just get presented and then you are taught sort of verbatim each step to get it to where he wants it to go? Well, there are there there are obviously there are. The dishes. So when I was there, you know, there were dishes that had been on there for quite a few years by then, and um, you're, you know, you're always sort of developing part of it. If, if, you know, the dishes were evolving in very small ways, and then new dishes, yeah, you would have, you know, would have, you know, our food scientist, which was who lived down in the last shed in the garden, and there'd be you know, non-stop uh, work going on down there. And you'd, you'd be part of it, you know, you'd always be part of what's going on. 
Um, you wouldn't be blocked out of, you know, of a new dish or working on it because you'd all be tasting it. You'd all be trying it. Um, you'd be making it work. So it wasn't like, look, this is what we're doing. You're a, it was a group. It was definitely a group thing. I mean, your input was important. As a youngster, you, you must be absolutely wide-eyed to some of the stuff and some of the equipment he's using because I guess yeah. Howard's, without knowing too much, would be relatively classic and it, it, it's done by, you know, as it has been for years and years in, in kitchens all up and down the land and all over the world, whereas Heston and the Fat Duck are doing something just completely left field. Completely left field, um, but logically it made so much sense because... The whole point was you, you were trying to create something sort of fantastical, but consistently. Um, and and it was all about consistency. So if you always had a measured amount of salt water in a giant pan of hot water and you're having the exact same thing cooking in it, it for the right time, it should always be the same. You know, that's a very basic point. That's not taking any of your... Uh, modern equipment anything into it which would just hopefully make life faster which makes you know means you could do like 10 jobs at the same time rather than just one or two so yeah you had I had to get my head around quite a lot and naturally um you know I'm very much of a you know let's just flavor it let's just chuck some salt in try it and you know yeah forget it you couldn't do that See, where, and what, but when I look at, at classic menus and if you Google something like Heston's best dishes and you get snail porridge and you get yeah. sound of the sea and you mm. get egg and bacon ice cream, mm. then I look at another menu and I see Mermaid's Lagoon, cow pie, catch the golden snitch. I think surely that experience working with Heston helps you in a process like the Great British Menu where you're looking ultimately to create the sort of thing that he often creates. Yeah, I mean, you know... The, the, looking back at the time in the kitchen there, ideas were just embraced, you know, and um, and that was really fun. It's like, come on, you know, I remember saying at one point, let's let's just make the jammy dodger, you know, let's just try and do that. It's like, yeah, how are we going to do that? And it's like, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's fun. And I think that fun bit was, it's, I think if you're a naturally creative person, then you know, there are no limits. You can try and do as much as possible. Um, and I think that side of the kitchen, especially at the time, because there were just so few of us, was, yeah, it was pretty electric um, at moments in between you being sort of very tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so for example, you said about there, the, the jammy dodge, and you said, oh, you just had that idea. So, if I take you to some of the ideas that you had for the, for the British menu, and yeah. I'll tell you what, you, if you pick your favourite of those four courses that you made, how does the process go? Do you think, uh, yeah. I want to do something with these ingredients or I want to do something with this book? How do I get yeah. some ingredients into it? Yeah, that's um, that's a really good question because it, it felt for me, um, as soon as I knew what the brief was, which I thought was incredible, I mean... I found the process quite crazy. Um, you know, I sort of had books that I knew that I wanted to use because of people that I knew had written them and there was such a close connection, it felt, to to what, what could happen. And then there was, you know, at the time I was on Jura and we got friends on Jura and they sort of 
own like a third of the island and you know you can just forage and go nuts there and I just started to picking up lichen and picking up all these things and knew how I wanted to do my starter you know and and I think it evolved but I I also did go to Disneyland and back it felt you know I sort of had all these amazing ideas and then suddenly I was just like it, it got a bit crazy in my head you know the gimmick <laughs> not to gimmick how much to do and and then luckily I got back from Disneyland and created something that was more me rather than do you think this is what they want do you think that's what they want it's like oh you just can't do that you know and I guess you, you've got to get to a sense and again it could well be part of the learning process at somewhere like the fat duck where you can have all the bells and whistles and fireworks you want but if it doesn't taste great then that ultimately is the the judging point completely yeah completely and you know I think weird things happen in that kitchen on great british menu so like for me I'm just I'm all about the flavor you know it's like tasting it's all you know more or equally as important to eating with your eyes and, you know, when you're, like, under-seasoning something or doing something there, you're like, what am I doing? What happened? But, you know, it's it's in, it's a good TV programme because, actually, you're really under pressure there. You know, it's not like... It's it's not some jolly experience. It's like you really are... <laughs> under, you really are under a bit of pressure. <laughs> what felt more pressure then? Friday night at the Fat Duck or main course time for Great British Menu? Ooh, we always used to laugh at the Fat Duck. Well, not laugh, but sometimes, you know, go out in the garden, have a cigarette and be like, oh my God, you'd be cursing yourself for something or it wasn't quite right. And you know, the analogy would be a doctor sort of losing, you know, doing something wrong and losing a patient's life. You know, you'd be, you'd be absolutely livid with yourself, giving yourself way too much um, grief. Um, so yeah, no, I think the pressure was very much on myself for the great British menu. And I think the pressure when you're working for someone else in a restaurant, you don't want to let them down. So it's a very different, different feeling. Yeah. Talk, talking of pressure then, and, and going back to, to those days at the fact that give me a sense of, of the environment in, in the early times and the early years that or the spell that you were there? Hmm. Well, I mean, we, everyone was all very young. Um, the vibe was great, you know. On a Sunday, it was always used to be fun. Everyone used to take it in turns to make lunch. Same sort of time you ate with each other. And to try and, to try and even, like, make a mayonnaise in between the time you were doing everything else was hard. You know, I mean, that's how sort of extreme <laughs> at some points it was. It's just you're busy, you know. It wasn't like, oh, I'll just make something really nice for everyone because I've got loads of time. You don't have loads of time. So like a BLT would be mega, you know, mega. <laughs> <laughs> and if you had lots of money, I think you'd like phone in for a pizza. But I never had loads of money. Um, no. Yeah, but, you know, everyone, yeah, you sort of, you helped each other out. I was lucky. I had Jockey who was... Uh, head pastry chef at the time and you, you know I think he looked after me quite a lot because if you, the, I, there was no choice you couldn't put a dish down that wasn't 150% and he'd make sure that that didn't happen so you know although it, yeah I mean it was yeah it was good 
Uh, and in the times, and the, I'm sure there were times when, when occasionally you did put a, a dish down that, that in someone else's eyes wasn't right. Yeah. So, 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 Go take it away. Go what, take it away. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, but in in what in what manner is it taken away? Because you know you go back years and years and years, and you watch something like Boiling Point, and you yeah. think I guess there is there's a feeling that that becomes the norm. But if ever you know I go to a place, I, I went recently to to that <clears throat> excuse me restaurant, Gordon Ramsay, yeah, um, and went into the kitchen at the end, and it's very quiet and it's running like clockwork, and yeah. there aren't people yelling and throwing pans. So no. is that has time changed or was it always like that, the fat duck? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a, a yelly, shouty place. It was very quiet. When service went on, it was really quiet, really, really quiet, um, which is perfect. Everyone was concentrating and, um, you know, when things... I just remember one, at one point I had to do one one plate eight times. Um, and, you know, when at the time, you know, there were like nearly 23 courses that were just pastry. Like, you can't... There was no time for that. And I remember just really having to get it right. Um, and you you learn. You learn from it. Um, it's got to be perfect. And, you know, there was obviously that, that little bit of time at the time that it wasn't taken away from me. I had to get it perfect. You know, it was at the beginning. Um, so you don't forget stuff like that. And did you ever get the sense that, I guess it may be difficult to judge, but but was it different? Did you feel from a from a woman's perspective working in a top kitchen back then or not? Yeah, well, um, there were only a couple of us at the time, um, and we had Nastasia, and she she came with us for a bit in the pastry. And I, you know, I just remember at one point she was she got so upset and she cried, and I just remember I I just didn't want anyone to see her like that so I just locked her in the fridge um for a bit <laughs> told her just you know because I just you know at the time it um not I suppose maybe it showed a weakness I just didn't didn't want any you know I didn't want her to let herself down so I think different now I don't think you'd be made to cry I don't think do you get the sense that that back then that 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 any time there was anyone, whether it be a man or a woman, that, that would show a weakness in a, in a top kitchen, that that almost is sort of, it was a feeling that would be sort of the beginning of the end for you in terms of, of working there or not? Well, it'd be showed a few cracks, wouldn't you? Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I think hopefully things have really changed and changing more and more, you know, like the working environment is really made quite a lot more nicer now in some of these top restaurants which is which is great because the happier you are the better food you're going to produce and you know it's it's a good thing it's a good thing and it's it's one of those as well sort of chicken and egg situations where the, the more great women chefs that, that come out and mm. are visible to people the easier the whole process gets and, and you know there's been so many great female chefs on on great british menu for example this year and you see people yeah. like Angela Hartnett and obviously Claire, who's, you know, people talk about her as being the best British chef in, or best chef in the country. Mm. Female might just be best chef full stop. And that's great for aspiring female chefs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important if, you know, just to go for what you want to go for, you know. And, and I think, yeah, having, I remember meeting Angela, actually. Um, she came into the kitchen at one point And I remember at the time just, 
just that feeling of just you're great and <laughs> you know I felt good around her um but I remember like years you know years before that you know knowing about from my mum Joyce Molyneux who she got a Michelin star um all those years ago and she I think she was one of the first female um chefs to get a star in this country and I aspire to her you know it's like we wear our headbands at the time just like her kitchen you know like basically a serviette in a you know in a in half and then tied up I don't know you know I, I think looking at all these female chefs it's really important um and it's, it's sort of important that we have a connection with each other because women are really quite good at that you know very good at communicating and um and being nice to each other you know and and it's encouraging yeah I think it, no one should stop um it's not I think the masculine world is yeah it's probably getting smaller maybe yeah I, I, you would hope so and it's, it's also great that even in, in the few episodes we've done of this so far that you hear male head chefs who are saying look that isn't how kitchens are run anymore you know you you wouldn't go into your office and chuck your mouse or chuck your keyboard across the, if someone makes a mistake. So why would you do it with a pan in the kitchen? And yeah. I guess that's a that's a decent way to think. It's a, yeah, it's a decent way to think, you know. And like I said, I definitely had my tough times, you know, to start with at the kitchen, without a doubt. And being a woman as well, you know, um, had all sorts of things thrown at it. But um, I think definitely now creating a, a shorter week, you know, like a five day week and, and having flexible times, like not having to do split shifts, um, the whole time and varying it up. So, you know, you can take your kids to school, pick them up, you know, you can tailor make some of your work, you know, if you've got an amazing female chef and she does decide to have a family and then wants to come back again at some point, um, to make that work, you know, because um, they're obviously really good, they're valued, and I think good bosses will see that. You're listening to Source Material, available from all major podcast providers. To get in touch, use the hashtag Source Material on social media. Let's head north of the border then, let's head to the, the Harbour Cafe. And we, we, we said that it was the dream, it was what you wanted from, yeah. from 20 or so onwards, <laughs> so... How does the process go from just thinking, I'd quite like that, to eventually having your own gaff, which is absolutely beautiful, with an incredible view? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was sort of, it was a bit of luck, and um, it just happened. So my youngest, Isabella, was probably four months old, and we went past the newsagent on the high street, which like consists of like three shops, and there was a, an advertisement saying the sailing club, you know, um, was up for you know the whole of the wall there was sort of up for grabs so I was like oh my god this is amazing this is fantastic and said to Jack and I was like what do you think and um it's just like what like looked to me like are you mad I was obviously you know I was still breastfeeding and um everything else I was like no no I think I think it's got to go for it so off I went and had the most horrific interview with the sailing club there were like 20 of them (laughs) 20 of them and me sort of not taking it as seriously as them um but yeah they they liked you know most of what I said and eased into things and then the the actual the restaurant Jack built so he designed it built it um and it's it's awesome 
yeah, it's really awesome. Well, given that you said that, that Jack built a lot of the restaurant, let, let's go pros and cons of, of working with your other half then. Yeah. Is, it, is it ever difficult? Um, I think I'm really lucky. Like, I think anyone knows who's in the industry, um, my, you know, my, one of my tips would be, if you don't know already, is, you know, go out with someone you work with. <laughs> because you know it's great you get to see them and you get to talk about everything that you've sort of sucked up doing all day and you know it's 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 perfect so actually the progression with us owning our own business and doing that has been it was easy yeah I think to start with when we first started working with each other in Verbier that was a bit like oh, what are you doing what are you doing you know um and then we moved on we worked in it was really funny. We worked in a Michelin star restaurant, Casa Marcelo, in northern Spain. And Jack, uh, fluent Spanish, not at the time much experience working in the kitchens. And <laughs> and I um, no Spanish whatsoever, but obviously had a lot of experience in the kitchen. So I was head pastry chef and he was sort of, you know, just sort of fish boy. And... It was, Fish boy. It, it was oh, great it title. Was, it was ridiculous, and so he was <laughs> translating. Oh my god! Of of what I was trying to get across to the chef, and it was crazy. It was crazy. But you know, we got through that together. So if we got through that together, you know, we could do anything. Well, may I just say congratulations on producing various headaches for HR departments up and down the country by being the advice of just date someone you work with, just find someone at work to date, and uh, yeah. and it, you know what could possibly go wrong from there. I mean, it makes it way more fun as well about seeing someone at work. Yeah, possibly, it, unless they reject you, then you've got to you know stand next to them on the pass for sixteen hours a day. That probably isn't quite as fun, I imagine. <laughs> no. No. Luckily, it was it was it wasn't the case in your scenario. Uh, back to back to the harbour, though. Um, when you look at the menu and and the sort of, I guess you would, for want of a better phrase, mission statement about it, it it seems like your your idea for for the food that you serve there is remarkably simplistic. Yeah, which is a great thing. Yeah, I mean it, the the menu is created for people like us to want to come on your day off. You know. So you want to eat the food, you don't necessarily, you know, you, you want it, it, it's got to be simple, It's but it's got to be lots of flavour, you know, um, like a giant bowl of langoustines and homemade chips and salad, but everything within, you know, I'm very lucky here, everything within like a five, ten mile radius, if not less, is is what we were going for and it was easy because of the producers and the the sea and all these things and getting in you know wines to go with it and but making it not astronomic making it affordable and fun it makes it more fun i don't want to pay you know an extortionate amount for two prawns i want to have a i want to go for it you know i want it to be i want, me I want it to be prawns, memorable yeah. you know i think creating those memories is is should be so much of what it's about you know and the kids they can have free prawns if they have never had a prawn before they just get a free prawn and they normally if they don't like eating it they love tearing it apart <laughs> <laughs> but that that level of simplicity it in a way it must be quite 
it takes a decent presence of mind to stick to that, particularly given the places you've worked and you could be, you know, let's have these prawns, but let's chuck a bit of liquid nitrogen into the mix or whatever. It, it, it takes a, you know, a confidence in what you're doing to think, yeah, we will stick to this and rather not try and add little bits and elements that, that could take it away from what it was meant to be. Yeah, I'd, I've often been disappointed going to restaurants that I've thought are going to be that have sort of come across really simple, like, you know, somewhere where chefs want to eat and everything else. And then sometimes just almost a bit too restauranty, you know, and just a little bit overplayed with. Um, and I just, I think making sure that the cafe really wasn't that, there was a, there was a difference, you know, um, a ruggedness, I suppose. Um, I think, yeah, and I think achieving that isn't that easy. You know, having something simple isn't isn't that simple to do. This takes me on to my one of my big restaurant bugbears, Ava, which yeah. you can hopefully agree with me on. Is that the worst thing in a restaurant? I think is when they try to be something that they're not capable for numerous reasons of yeah. doing. So. Friends will always say to me, because they know I like fun dining, well, why would you go to Nando's? And it's other chicken restaurants are available. You know, you go to Nando's because you're getting chicken and rice or chicken chips in 20 minutes. You eat it. It's pretty nice. It's quite cheap and off you go again. But it's when you go to what should be a steady restaurant and they try and do something too clever and it doesn't work that you start getting frustrated. Mm. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, And I think there is that in-betweenness that you can sometimes get sort of trapped in um when you when you go out to eat and i think here you know if you're going out to eat here and you you know where we are it is so spectacular and the ingredients are so simple but you can't get them everywhere you know um and i think putting all those things in one place um is ideal it's not just that i've also got to be really practical i've got no i've got hardly any kitchen whatsoever you know, I've got hardly any power. So obviously it's not happening this year, but, you know, we're going to go big on, you know, when the weather's good, barbecues, like big, big ones, you know, just on the beach. And just to explore that side of it more and be practical as well as fun, you know. Yeah, and tasty. And tasty, you know, and, yeah. and and having the right staff with you and me being able to manage that with having the kids and wanting to be with them as well, you know, another reason for things to be simple and good. You know, they've got to be consistent. Well, just before we let you go and see the kids and feed the kids or educate the cat or the other way around or wherever it goes, just got time for, for one more last little thing. The Burning Issues. Which is this? It is our burning issues. It's the questions we ask all our chefs and guests on, on source material. So uh, a few, yeah. few little questions to finish. First one then, the ultimate three-course meal. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I've obviously thought about this the whole of my life. Um, and <laughs> it's been <laughs> definitely a cheese souffle and a salad to start. Um, and then I would have Dover Sol with... Um, potatoes boiled potatoes and spinach and a nice mayonnaise and then I would have this is always quite difficult I think I'd probably have um raspberries when they're in season 
Scottish raspberries um, with like a just a melted Toblerone sauce. <laughs> My goodness me. <laughs> Taking us back to uni day again, melting a chocolate. That's what I had for my up. It's really good. It's what we did for <laughs> when we got married. We basically catered it ourselves. And I was like, this is going to be really easy. Let's do this. Um, and it's so good. You just melt, you just melt Toblerone with double cream at the same time. And that's it. It just does what it, it just does its job. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. I've never heard of that before. That's fantastic. Yeah. Given that that is a, that's a fairly steady, um, no bells and whistles three courses. Just as a supplementary question, just because I feel like it. Yeah. If you could pick one dish ever from the fat duck, which one would you go for? Mm. You know, I mean, I did gobble. I did like the stale porridge. Um, I found that very easy just to, to gobble up. Um, there'd be a few of them. I mean, yeah, I'd say snail porridge. Snail porridge. Mm. Okay. Right, next question is our dream chef's table. Mm. So you're cooking for four people, alive or dead. Yeah. You can only choose one chef, but you don't have to have a chef. So That's you can fine. have four yeah. other people, should you wish. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I would definitely have Keith Floyd. Um, because He'd probably bring the booze, wouldn't he? I think, yeah, he'd probably bring the booze, but I think that was another big reason why I'm, I've become a chef. Um, I would have... Who would I have? Oh, I'd have Jackie Mason, who is a very, very funny Jewish comedian. Um, because I think having someone that's just going to make you laugh and everyone laugh is is great. I probably have my dad. He's no longer here, but he was always really good to cook for and never really said anything bad. So that's perfect. Yeah, you'd, you'll take that. Good reviews. I'll take reviews. that. And then, um, and then I would pick my husband because... I would want to talk about it loads afterwards and I'd have no one else to talk about it because they're either dead or they're about to die. I mean, Jackie Mason's like 90 something. <laughs> so. <laughs> Goodness me. I think after an evening with Keith Floyd, you got close to the end. Yeah. So I mean, I'll talk about it with Jack. Yeah, exactly. I'll talk about it with Jack the whole time, you know, you could never get bored of reminiscing about how good that, that dinner was. <laughs> There you go. That's an interesting combination. I like that as a four. Well, uh, next one up, Kitchen Nightmares. Um, given that we've already talked about one time it took you eight goes for something at, at the fact that we, we can have another one. I know. I don't know. There's probably been a few. I mean, that was definitely my big one. Um, that was definitely my big one. And I can't think, to be honest with you, I can't think. One doesn't, apart from that one, doesn't really... Rain, you know, it's not that big in my mind. There's definitely been them. I'm not saying, oh, there hasn't. There has, but maybe not as drastic as that. Good. Okay. That's good news. Last one then. Yeah. Uh, is your golden nugget, your piece of advice for home cooks. And I think this is, this is my favourite of these questions, given that I think a lot of mm. ways of improving food significantly can actually be done by the smallest little tips from people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, well, I think the very basic thing, which I don't think many home cooks do, is put a put a wet cloth under your chopping board um, to stop it moving around. I think um, I think that's really important because that drives me mad. Obviously, sharp knives and do as much as you can beforehand. Like prepare for it. Don't suddenly do all your cooking at one point. You know, before you know, in the evening. Like prepare for it. You know, we all do. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. I like that one. Wet chopping board, uh, wet cloth even is also a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, but mainly the big piece of advice is just date somebody you work with. That's what you're saying. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Yeah, have a bit of fun. Exactly. Date somebody you work with. Marry yeah. them. Have have their children. <laughs> <laughs> Marry them. Have some kids. Have you some know. cats. Have some dogs. Yeah. Open a restaurant by the sea. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Lovely place to fit. Amy, thanks so much for joining oh, us. Thanks, uh, you can catch up with all the episodes of Source Material whenever you want. Uh, and we will see you for another episode next week. Bye for now. Bye.